Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of NIMPA Alumni. This is a super special episode that we're all so excited about. We have flown from our respective cities to the middle of Times Square to meet the legend Avery Truffleman herself. And we're here interviewing her in this very special moment. We're all so excited. And yeah, we just want to say we're huge, huge fans of your podcast. And we're so honored to have you on. It's true. Oh, my God. The feeling is so mutual. I'm so excited. I'm. I, you just have to stop me if I, like, turn the mics on you and, like, I don't know. I have so many questions for how you make your show, too. So I'm very excited. So we got to talk shop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, B&H is nearby. We should, like, go buy microphones together dude. and, like, look at gear. Buy, like, and... the fuzzy ball that you put over the microphone. I've always wanted one of those. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like the pee filter. Yeah. Whatever. We need pee filters. Yeah, um, yeah, but Avery, you're the host of one of our favorite podcasts of all time, Articles of Interest, which is an amazing show on fashion. And we've talked about your show a couple of times when we've talked about prep and just kind of history of style because you cover that so well. So everyone go listen to her show. But for today's show, we wanted to talk to you about kind of the rise of what we're calling fashion intellectualism. And I think this always comes up since we all kind of work in this space in terms of like looking at how content around fashion history and fashion trends has kind of exploded in the past few years. And is this kind of something you've you've noticed as well? In a major, major way. Yeah, fashion intellectualism is such a good term for it because I remember when I first started doing the show, it was so hard to get people on board. Like, for example, the one that got away from me is... Have you ever seen those articles about why meteorologists all wear the same dress? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, me- yeah, meteorologists don't get their wardrobe provided, and female meteorologists are expected to wear more dresses, like the ones who wear suits just change their ties. And so there's a sisterhood Facebook group of meteorologists, and they, like, share dresses with each other, and every time— and there are all these specific rules— you know, the dress can't be green because it can't go into it can't blend in with the green screen. It can't be black because that's too dour. And then it can't be too sexy because that's distracting. And then it can't be too uh, modest because then no one will want. They're like all these rules and they are they have to fend for themselves. And also like they're scientists. You know, this is not their their job. And so, yeah, there's this one dress and it came in all these different colors and all these meteorologists were like, this is it. This is perfect. Like, we're all just going to buy this dress. And so there was this moment and it got a lot of like, you know, at the time, like BuzzFeed worthy acclaim. Like, oh, my God, have you noticed every local weather person is wearing the same dress? And I wanted to do an episode on this. And I reached out to a few meteorologists. And in 2018, everyone was like, I'm a scientist. I don't have time to think about this. I was like, no, exactly. That's the point. Like, that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. And they're like, I refuse to be reduced to my clothes. And I felt like I had to do this whole, like, no, we're going to use fashion to talk about the world and talk about social dynamics and talk about the world of symbols. And now it's so understood, like, mm. almost immediately that, like, what we talk about when we talk about fashion. And I have a lot of pet theories for why it came about. But I, I imagine you all feel this way, too, that you've, like, seen this ascent. We've been there for so much of it together, just, like, witnessing it. It's driven us crazy a lot of times. But I, we were going to ask you what your pet theories were for why you think this is happening. And it's happened so recently, and it's exploded so hugely. So I feel like there's a lot of different things that you could say. I don't know. I feel like we're, like, the Spider-Man meme trying to interview each other. I'm like, wait, why is it annoying? <laughs> like, that should be cool. Um, okay. 
I'll tell you my theories, but then I'll then I'll then I want to ask why it annoys you. I mean, honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with like Black Lives Matter and Me Too, and yeah, I I really really do, and especially because fashion was considered. I mean, this was the thing that I said at the end of my first season of Articles of Interest. I was like, think about who wears clothes. It's like young people, people of color, queer people and women. And like these are the people who care about clothes and people who haven't been listened to have to wear. It reminded me of, you know, think about when you're a little kid. I was so obsessed with clothes because I was like, I have nothing. Like I have no money. I have no power. I have no vote. Like all I can do is express myself with with what I have. And for people who have historically been disenfranchised, like clothes are what they have. And I think there was this moment where people were like, oh, my God, we should listen to people who like, yeah, we should we should pass the mic. We should step back. And I think that recognizing the power of clothes was really part and parcel with that in this subtle way. And I think a lot of the intellectual discourse, I mean, uh, remember when all of the, was it all the Democrats were wearing white? Like there were all these like clothing political movements and that launched all these think pieces like, oh my God, what does it mean? Like, have you noticed people are protesting with their clothes now? And it led to this, I actually, I have some thoughts on this, which I feel like something that's really fascinated me for these past few years is that because we have now had this like unprecedented unprecedented access to social media in a way that's like so inherently tied to marketing, like we now understand marketing as individuals and how to market ourselves in ways that like so intimately in ways that nobody else really could have unless you were in the industry. And so everyone started reading all of these like with the... You know, why is like AOC wearing white? You know, why does she wear this? That type of thing. I thought that that was very much like the average person now had a very good grasp of what PR was. And they were able to comment on it in a really complex way because they were basically their own PR agents. Like they were marketing themselves on social media with their profiles, you know? Yeah. There's like a lot of that like tied into it. Like this like weird understanding of the way things that were previously mystified by like corporate, you know, woohoo stuff um, has been kind of like it's changed now that like we have become our own self start starting. I don't know. Startup. Yeah, we're all like selling ourselves as products almost. I don't know. And I also think another thing that I that I think about a lot, there aren't a lot of ways to collect anymore. I mean, I remember I don't remember when you like I would be like, oh can I see your iPod and like look through your playlists and your songs and like, you know, judge you basically. But it was this, you know, and people used to have like my parents had a record collection. Like people had these collections or like your book collection and now Nothing is like mine. I'm not like, oh, it's like my favorite movie is Netflix. My favorite song is Spotify. Like there, these things were so omnivorous now in this kind of beautiful way. But clothes are the only way that you can be like, this is my closet. This is what I bought. These, you, you know, you literally wear them and identify with them. They're among the last physical collections. And that's also like tied in with the marketing, yeah. I think. I feel like that's why a lot of there have been so many startups that have tried to do like digital clothing, digital <laughs> fashion. And that's like why I feel like they're never going to take off, because ultimately you want to be able to like look at something that you wear all the time. But I'm also really interested in what you said about like being a child and clothes being really immensely meaningful to you, because I think that's definitely like a, a feminized thing, because when you're like playing with dolls, like every concept that you have for like a path for your future just has to do with the outfit you're wearing <laughs> and if you're going to be like an astronaut or like wearing a skirt suit. So, yeah, I think that probably is where it all started. Yeah. And there's such a it's something that we have talked about a lot is like uh, 
sort of like a conscious materialism almost where in a world that's increasingly immaterial and there's no boundaries and things can become really confusing objects can be like imbued with the sort of power that contain memory they contain identity and it's something that you can like have a ritual with you can care for it you know and that kind of translates psychologically to you in a way that can be really beneficial and that you know that's why one of the many downfalls of fast fashion is that you're discarding these things that can mean a lot to you if you take care of it in the right way or if you relate to it in the right way you know so that is like a one of the beautiful things about fashion i think like these yeah. pieces of clothing can be like markers of your identity we also talked about that a lot in terms of the rise of skincare because it's like again with fashion one of the only things that can like re-embody you in the material world yeah um in terms of I don't know, physically t having to touch your own body instead yeah. <laughs> of like touching the screen. Wait, why does it annoy you, the fashion intellectualism? Oh, it doesn't oh, annoy no. me. We're, fa we're fashion intellectualists. Yeah. <laughs> At work. Yeah. Um. We, I mean, some of it can't, I mean, I, I have my qualms with it in terms of like, in general, content that I feel like is educational and really important to the world cannot be condensed into six second clips on TikTok and like be really reductive and also turn a lot of people off of thinking complexly. We're like long-form queens, though. Yeah, we are. Mm -hmm. All of us. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I think, Sam, you're probably talking more about the general backlash against, like, TikTok trend forecasting. Yeah. Which I, I wouldn't say any of us are really falling into that, but... We made one TikTok, actually. We did. <laughs> what was it about? It was about Brokette. Yeah. It was forced me to I, make I it. I put her to work. Yeah. yeah. I was like, send me the script now. I was like, no edits, but maybe you should say this instead. Yeah. <laughs> and play some Troy Sivan in the background. Yeah, anyways. It, it didn't feel, it didn't sit right with my soul when I made that. Did it, did it, did it take off? It... It we actually we made another one that was more of a mood boardy type of thing. So it had audio clip from the podcast overlaid against this like bouncy slideshow Sam made with pictures from an image board of Brokette, and that did better. <laughs> and it, but it yeah. took me like seven hours to make because I just used like several <laughs> cap cut edits. Like I was I like made my own cap cut edit, and it took me like seven hours to make this TikTok, and I posted it, and it got like some views and stuff. And I was like, is it really worth it? This is like a full-time job to like make one TikTok. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think Your we should lean into sore. some really lo-fi, like that effect when something's on a newspaper and it spins. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the rest of our TikTok content forever. That's so funny. Yeah. That's a really good idea, actually. I think we should write that down. I think I'm just feeling the Times Square like newspaper vibe. <laughs> like, I feel like we're in an industry right now. It's true, stop um, the presses. Yeah, I think we were thinking a lot about like the reactions to our fashion intellectual content and how it's probably different for you. I think we have like different audiences, but we have a lot of younger women who come into our content, like thinking about fashion in terms of themselves and how they're creating their identity. And so it can seem really personal when we're like uh, trying to editorialize or like analyze what clothes can mean. Mm -hmm. And I think a big thing that we get a lot of the time is just like, let people wear whatever they want. Like, it's not that serious. It's like, we're not, we, we love when people wear what they want. Um, but, I'm wearing a busted outfit. Yeah. <laughs> I think you look amazing. I got a hole in my hunter boots yesterday, which is like something I didn't even know was possible. But, congratulations. I know. Um, that's how you had to get like shot. Like, yeah. There's like a flying piece of metal. A missile. Yeah, a yeah. missile. Um, but what was I saying? Oh, yeah. We, we feel like we have been the victims of like fashion anti intellectualism almost. Yeah. Have you I felt this way 
I mean, it's interesting because you see fashion and anti-intellectualism like literally with Trump, you know, this like anti-intellectual movement is also an anti-fashion movement. Uh. And they're super duper tied together. Like, yeah, let him, you know, his tie is wrong. Like who who's determining what's right and what's wrong? The liberal elites. And (laughs) but it also really does come down to politics when you think that and like the thing that I say over and over again that's so fascinating about clothing is that clothing is social. Like that's how we know like what the weather is and like what we're doing and what era we're living in. I mean, like one of my favorite have you ever played that game where you can guess the era from the photo? Oh, it's an amazing game. Wait, we, I would love that game, though. I it's would spend hours fun. on it. That's it's, really cool. It's really hard because some of them are in black and white and some of them are in color and you like, don't know which which is which. But the way you can tell the era someone lives in are like the cars a little bit, but mostly the clothes. And like that's just how we show the time and the day and the era that we are all living in. So it is inherently like a social Art and like, yes, let people dress however they want, but they're going to dress for their time. They're going to dress for their weather. And it all means something and it's worth analyzing. So anyway, that's like an inherently politically liberal idea that like we should all like be together as a society and this community and like dress for each other and like obey these rules that are decorum. And it is this sort of I don't want to call it anarchic, but like. Like, I, I, I don't know, Trumpian, I guess. I can't even think of, like, a, a school of thought for it. You would do better than I would. But then to be like, I'm not going to let anyone tell me what to do. Like, fuck yeah. you. I'm not dressing for anyone. Yeah. I don't care about anyone. Um, so, yeah, I do think, like, the, anti-intellect, the anti-fashion intellectualism is, like, inextricable from anti-intellectualism. That's very true. Writ large. But I don't know if I – because that's the thing. I feel like the people who come to Articles of Interest are, like, kind of already signed up for that. They're, like – they're mostly people who are, who are like – they're not converted to fashion yet. They love yeah. – they're, like, oh, I want facts. Like, give me facts. And I feel like my job – I feel like you have fashion people and you're, like, would you it's consider facts? Around. And I'm, like <laughs> – I have fact people. I'm like, would you consider fashion? So we need true. to meld audiences. We should no. like put them all together, we'll like under, like in like a big warehouse, and like have Gummy them bear. like d- like, you know, like stand on opposite sides of the yeah, room, like a, like a prom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like now kiss. <laughs> um, no, it's funny because it's like your podcast has the word articles in it, mm-hmm. and ours has the words nymphat and alumni. <laughs> and um, that's alumni graduated. Yeah. I know exactly. I don't know what. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, Sam Sam talks about that idea a lot of, like, dressing for other people in terms oh, of yeah. being like, a social contract. That's a less loaded thing that um, my mom would always just say that to me yeah. when I was growing up. My mom's, like, this, you know, she comes from a really small town in Mexico, moved to the United States when she was, like, 30, you know, and she has these kind of very traditional values and stuff that when I was a teenager I would, like, really reject. But then when I got older, I started realizing... There is like such a value in the way that she thought about fashion because she would always tell me like to dress up nice is like signaling a respect for other people because you're showing them that like you're important enough for me to like dress up for and that type of thing, you know. And so for that, like I, that's just how I think is like a really nice way of like exp- like fashion is like a form of expression to other people. It's not just a way of like self-expressing yes. and like feeling a certain way. It's a way of like connecting with others, you know. So, yeah, yeah, like um. Yeah, it's a, I feel like, 
I don't know where I was going to go with that. That's something I've been thinking about a lot recently, and I think it's, like, going to become a major generational issue, is that self-expression with fashion, I think, like, Gen Z definitely has down, and, like, everyone has accepted, like, oh, you can wear whatever you want and, like, (laughs) will be less judgmental, but this, like, idea of occasion dressing and, like, formality is something that I think Gen Z is, like, not familiar with at all. And I wonder if this has, like, happened at any other time in fashion history, but, like, there have been times where I've gone to, like, a black tie gala, and there'll be, like, a 21-year-old girl wearing, like, a two-piece set from, like, Jaded London or something, like, <laughs> and, like, platform boots, and I'm just, like, you do look really amazing, like, you did dress up for this, and, like, I appreciate your effort and your appearance, but, like, I think some of these, like, codes of when to wear what are definitely dissolving. Yeah. I guess everyone has a different idea of, like, formality now, right? Yeah. Like, that's shifted. I guess so. But I wonder if it'll change when Gen Z gets to wedding season. You know what I mean? (laughs) I feel like that's when everything starts to get really codified. I was actually thinking that because some of my kind of friends who are a little bit older than me are in kind of the midst of, like, constant weddings right now and I was like god you guys have a lot of nice dresses I was like you guys look really good this summer and it's because they're in the midst of wedding season and they always have such cute little like bags they buy for weddings I know you need to sell that the number one content niche that I was in because my family had like a string of weddings last autumn I guess and like all of my tiktoks were like wedding dresses for like mermaid or wedding guest dresses for like mermaid <laughs> core like like wedding dresses that are like inspired by taylor swift albums That's like there cute. were so many different things for it but yeah there is like i had a total identity crisis because i was like oh my god how do i look like myself and not like i'm just dressing up for other people it's really hard to that's when you really take stock of your like personal style and if it's yeah, like, possible agree. in every situation um yeah i feel like if you see someone at a wedding and you're like wow they have amazing personal style they really have amazing personal style. No, yeah. <laughs> really. It's just hard to nail that these days. Yeah, I went to um, a wedding kind of last year, and everyone is wearing, like, the same Reformation yeah, dress. The and Reformation. then I bought, like, a, the same print of a Reformation <laughs> dress to go to a wedding, Did like, in October. It? Uh, it's fine. Like, it fits me really nice, but it's more just, like, I don't have any, any idea of what to wear at a wedding. But it's you the know? other, it's the social contract thing, because yeah. you know it's not about you. You're yeah. not like, I'm trying to stun. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll like, yeah. No, exactly. down. And, like, you, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know you're going to be in other people's photos. So like, <laughs> I know. I always get people that are like, is this, like, too close to off-white for me to wear? And, like, people get so crazy they about it. So really like, okay, mad. maybe people do still really care about formality because that's like you will get a million comments if you're wearing anything that's even like light yellow to a wedding yeah no light colors i wish there was just a uniform i wish it was like we all wear the same dress and like yeah i passed my wedding jumpsuit down to like (laughs) the next person wait i should do that for my wedding everyone should wear a jumpsuit that'd be amazing wait that'd be cool yeah that'd be very like david byrne yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) then you'd have to do a flash mob oh Oh, my god you could do that it's like low-key my dream to have a, a flash mob proposal. Like, I think it'd be really cool if that's Bring how it, it happened no to me. Anymore, I yeah. know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I probably wanna... need a permit. So. <laughs> <laughs> I need to apply for a permit. Yeah. To kind of, like, get back to the intellectualism thing, um, we were just wondering, like, do you think that fashion has, like, never really been thought... Or, like, we, we kind of know just from our own research and experience with... Um, the podcast and things that we've studied, like there's always been like a field of study when it comes to this. 
now it's really kind of consolidated into something more solid. But do you think we're just like perceiving a rise in intellectualism because we have like more contact with more ideas of people? And it's something that's just like what people have been thinking about forever or it truly is something that is new? Yeah. No, it's funny. I'm like, oh, I wish I knew offhand. All I'm sure y'all know who the specific writers are, but I feel like Roland Barthes did some stuff about fashion. There were some like heavy hitters, like yeah. Gideboard. They're like big, heavy hitting philosophers have always been interested in fashion. And I feel like it was semi respected as a bit of a like novelty in some ways historically and it was always like look at those other you know why do they why do they do that uh whether it's in an anthropological format like look at these other cultures wearing clothes or like women like why do they do that Mm -hmm. and i do think that the thing this goes back to what you were saying sam about how it's so interlaced with commerce now that you now see essence And like, you know, I'm working on a piece for Mr. Porter right now that places that are selling you clothes are also like waxing philosophical about it. And the philosophy is no longer pure and sequestered in its ivory tower. And we are all so trained as consumers that we're like, yeah, whatever. Like, we don't even think. And I'm not sure if it like sullies the discourse if something is for sale in the the midst of all of this, you know. But Mm. I feel like that's the big difference i don't know yeah i actually i wrote something recently for selfridges magazine and it made me think of that as well kind of like oh i'm having a fashion intellectualism in the selfridges magazine and that's what i wanted they they wrote me a check (laughs) and um it wasn't even it wasn't even actually i didn't write something i had a conversation with someone they kind of like transcribed it and put it in there so basically it's basically this (laughs) but in selfridges magazine so it's kind of true like what you're saying about how these ideas have intercommerce in a really tangible way. Mm-hmm. Well, it's fascinating because it feels like there's this great, like, whatever, this is not an original thought, but there's this great sort of blending where every fashion company is a media company and every media company is a fashion company. That's what I wrote down. Yeah. Ah! She also, she also worked she, on Essence. Yeah. I was like, Essence! She's like, journalistic No, but I was, just having, I was just having lunch today with my friend Eugene Rabkin who runs yeah. Styles at Geist, and he was like, oh, we're coming out with a boot. And the thing that I'm writing for Mr. Porter is about the Throwing Fits capsule collection. Yeah. Like, everyone who says something about fashion now also sells something and i mean I, do you do y'all do brand collabs no um watch this watch this space yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know people are always asking us to do merch we just talked about this um on our recent episode that was like text to clothes about like yeah. printed text on clothing and we were just like i don't know we're so bad at commerce i already think i mentioned this on the podcast but Someone created a brand called Bloquettes. Yeah, like, that was so they, crazy. They trademarked the word. Oh my god! Yeah, they like for we copyright. suck at commerce. I know. I, I don't know. Bad at commerce is also kind of a good yeah, label. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> we're thinking. We, we're still considering merch, it but happen. it seems like really complex. It's already no. been hard figuring out I'm all this other the stuff. Factories down there. Oh, what we're is like near the garment district? <gasps> yeah, exactly. Oh march god. over. Get some patterns made. Sample sizes. Not sample sizes. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't know if you have like do you have thoughts on why that is the media is fashion and fashion is media? Uh, 
literally everything I wrote down was just like, why is that? <laughs> I, I have an idea. Yes, so this. I, <laughs> I feel like I slightly come from the fashion intellectual community only because I went to FIT. And there's obviously the fashion museum there and the really interesting community of fashion academics. But on one of our school trips, we went to, I don't remember what museum it was now, but the curator gave us a tour and she was like, it was at the time after kind of like Obama gave that speech where he was like, there should be less art history majors. Do you remember, guys remember that? No. no. <laughs> yeah, he made this joke. Okay, this is, this is not actually the same time. That would have it's, changed my life if I saw that. Yeah, no, this, this, was, this is like in 2013. So that was, it was kind of some years later, but still he um, made that comment. And then the curator was like, in a world that's more image based than ever, being able to speak about images is one of the most important skills you could have. And I was like, wow, you're so smart. And <laughs> so I feel like that's just a big reason as well. Yeah. Is that like our world is more mediated, mediated by more and more images than ever before. That's true. So being able to like parse through them in an interesting way is truly such a valuable yeah. skill. Yeah, we um, live in such a visual heavy culture. Yeah. I also wonder, because another thing too is that like uh, this, we talk a lot about the, the tragic death of like print and how difficult it is to even just like fund any type of like writing in the first place and the failure of all these like great indie-esque institutions that were like beacons for people that wanted to think about things more complexly and like what are you thinking about i don't know like vice dying was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know that's like cringy to say but i was really sad like that was like yeah. a big okay, you know yeah. um but no like i i mean i think it's like kind of also just in a very practical sense like the only way to keep those things funded like you kind of have to put it next to commerce so that like people yeah, click more often, you know? So it's like really kind of sad. I think one of the more tasteful ways to do it is to just like write something, have like try not to think about commerce and then after the fact you hyperlink a bunch of stuff. Yeah. yeah. You like, what is that called? You do affiliate links? Yeah, <laughs> yeah They think they're linking to like a PDF from like Baudrillard, but it's actually going to like oldnavy.com. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's gonna be so good to <laughs> I mean, when I worked at Blankety blank. Blankety blank. Um, they would do a roundup, like a company-wide roundup of like w how many things they sold from affiliate links. And it was like mortifying because- Really high? Well, not that just, it wasn't, it wasn't when it was a high number that was mortifying. What was mortifying was when it was a specific number. They would be like, get this. We sold a $14,000 diamond bracelet to a person. It's like, why are you putting this one person on blast yeah. in front of the whole company? But like, it is serious, 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 serious business. Yeah. yeah. Wild. Yeah. They would like be like, it's time for the affiliate links meeting everyone. Oh my God. Yeah. And they would like, it was kind of juicy. We should do that too. Yeah. We should. Yeah. yeah. No, more, no more Patreon. Affiliate links only. Yeah. I know. That's so true. Yeah. There's no way to do that in audio. It's sad. Yeah. Mm, we could do subliminals. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, so you play it backwards and it just like makes you go to the store. Well, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it makes you reading go like a hyperlink com. out loud. <laughs> it's like a backslash. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, have you ever heard that story about Valerie Steele? It's one of my favorite tidbits of fashion academia lore. Which is basically that she, when she was at like Yale in the seventies studying fashion history, when she would tell people what she was studying, they thought she was studying fascism. Uh -huh. so they were like, oh, like she's studying fascism, and she's like, no, I'm studying fashion. But I mean, she made it out of trenches. Yeah, <laughs> that's so interesting though, because um, do you know the magazine Rags? No. 
Tell us more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. love it so much. It was from the publishers of Rolling Stone, and they were like, okay, okay, we did music. What about fashion? Yeah. Whoa. And so it's like the Rolling Stone of fashion. It's called Rags, That's and cool. it's so cool. And it, it's definitely like, talk about people who've done fashion intellectualism before. This was in the 70s during like the heyday of the Peacock Revolution, and they were like, let's just talk about where all these are coming from. But their first issue was about fascism. And I do feel like it's an interesting thing that people use to talk about the power of clothes and be like, no, take it seriously. Like, look at these Lenny Riefenstahl films. Like, fashion matters in these aesthetics. So it is, that's a funny misunderstanding, but it's also a bit on the nose. That That is, a, it's almost like a textbook example of the way that it gets taken seriously. Yeah. yeah. It's really, really crazy. We know a lot of, like, menswear guys like on the other side of the gender spectrum who are really interested in fashion history and it seems like a lot of them their entry point will be like military surplus yeah. clothing yeah. and just like knowing an insane amount about different like world war ii uniforms and <laughs> it, it's kind of like suspicious sometimes but i'm like this is how you learned about like where to buy tailored pants so that's fine i guess <laughs> No, that is such a trend. Well, now I feel like it's been, it's like less. Right, I just want to say that Sam has her laptop open to the Spirit Airlines. <laughs> I have website. like been through hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I have like a million links open because Sorry, I was like I looking just, for I a flight last night. Eyes. And that was the last time I opened my laptop. It was literally from like me getting another flight to get here. Anyway, um, it's a miracle you. that you're here. I know. Yeah. Bless so spirit. Happy. I know. Listeners should know I'm like fresh off it's of an the airplane. Holy spirit. You look so beautiful. Thank you so you much. Do. I feel crazy. I literally. I feel like unhinged. I just came off of a flight, like literally yeah. that's to very, the studio. That's very like old old world fashion, though. Yeah, yeah I felt like, like it was very New York. So you just flew here for New York Fashion Week and headed straight to the studio. I guess I can't say who's recording upstairs, but um, yeah. Yeah. Um, there used to be in Floyd Bennett Field back when that was the main airport. There was a reporter from WNYC who was stationed in the airport, and their job was to just be like, "This is who's coming off of the plane," because it was just like celebrities and glamorous oh people and be like, they're in the city right now. Oh, my God. And yeah, that's you. I arriving. would have taken that job. I would have fought for I that know. job so hard. That's so cool. What do you think about kind of the rise of viral fashion stunts, like the Caperni spray on dress, the Caperni, was it the Caperni, like, police dogs as well? Yeah. Like, robot dogs, but yes. Was yes. it? I haven't seen those. They're, I don't know. I think they were Caperni dogs. And then also this other instance, which was just, like, a model standing up um, at this this show that had lots of kind of dinner tables, and then yeah, the the tablecloth is her dress, like that kind of thing. The I mean, I kind love of like it. for 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 social. But I don't think that's for social. You like don't. Hussein Chalian did that. Like yeah. it was like a total. I mean, Alexander McQueen. Like it, it's the coolest. I don't know. It makes it into a theatrical performance. I mean, mm -hmm. sure, maybe now it's like more for the internet than it was before, but like, I don't know, I love that. I I think that's actually really refreshing to hear because I think people, when they are trying to criticize like social media in general, that's one of the first things they go for. They're like, more viral fashion shows. What happened to the clothes? Like, <laughs> like, what happened to the, the, the craft? And, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, spectacle has always been and it's always been part of clothes. It's like, yeah. why like, why not make it into a theater performance? Like, why not do something big and glamorous? I don't know. It's funny. Today I was just thinking 
about how funny it is. Like, you know um, the staircase from the Joker? Yes. Yeah. In, like, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen yeah. it, but <laughs> in the Bronx, yeah. people go there and, like, do the dance. And then apparently, like, that little area has gotten very gentrified because of all the people, like, going to take wow. pictures of that part. It's Joker like, square. Joker moment. Yeah. <laughs> a Joker moment. But it, in a weird way, it's like, it's so sweet. It's not, like, bad that, that people want to go to a place, even if all they want to do is, like, take a picture of it and have this little moment. It's in a weird way, it's sort of sweet that they're like living for this one thing. Yeah. I, I feel about yeah. Pokemon Go. Yeah. No, yeah, that was like, yeah, we talked so much about this. We did an episode in like 2016 and like when viral moments last felt like almost like a kumbaya, like the world yeah. is coming together type moment. And yeah. Pokemon Go was the last time yeah. I felt truly like, this technology is utopia and like yeah. it can really bring people together. Like, look, the they're rise walking of around. Location based services. But it seems like, yeah, now most viral moments just like tear us apart. Like, every time yeah. I. I feel like those viral fashion moments are what often like comes through the membrane to like non-fashion people, and yeah. it's like people are just like WTF, like this is such a joke, like they can't be serious. Really, like, yeah. but do you like them as performances? Like, what do you think of them as? I have mixed feelings. Well, I think it, it's. It slays when it slays, and then when it doesn't, it doesn't. Just like anything else, you yeah. know? Most of the, I loved the Bella Hadid spray on dress. Me I thought too. that was so beautiful. There is one, I, I can't remember the brand right now, but there was one where like the models were wearing these like weird dresses that were all white, and then like a scanner would come down and the patterns would appear suddenly. I don't know if oh, you- Yeah, it was like receipt paper technology. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, I really yeah. liked that a lot. Like I thought it was like a weird like textile, like science thing, you know, it was really interesting. It's also um, nice when they involve like the actual fabrication of clothing. Yeah, so, like, yeah that's exactly. something that people don't really think about. Yeah. yeah. I love like gestures towards modernity as well. Mm-hmm. Like with the spray on dress, which I feel like why the spray on dresses was better than like the police dogs, which obviously are a part of modernity, but mm-hmm. the spray on dress reminds me of like the World Fair. You know, they no. be like, exactly. Oh, this yes. new way to do this thing, and it's like really exciting for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect analogy. Like, gimmick has always been a thing, and that's just our new form of it. Yeah. It was like TikTok. Oh, I'm like, now I'm like, oh, I'm missing out. I want to see those things. I haven't seen we'll any send, of this. We'll, we'll send them to Thanks. you. We will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will actually, this year, I'm thinking there's going to be more stuff like that. I'm like excited to see because some of it, some of it did do well last year like do you guys think this is going to be like a very indie sleeve season because i feel like speaking of trend forecasting on tiktok that was obviously something actually i guess that's kind of the origins of this pod this podcast was talking about american apparel but i think there is like kind of this gap between people being like it's 2008 again and then finally seeing people out and about dressing more like that and i wonder if that's if that's going to be like a hallmark of this season or what's going to kind of um how it's going to play out any thoughts um, I do consider it like my heyday. Like yeah. I was there at Terminal Five dancing on the so stage fun. with Girl Talk. It was really fun, oh. and it was definitely like the most comfortable I've ever. I was like, I'm in my moment. Yeah. And, like I, I'm not. I remember being so being like, I am a hipster, and everyone like hating like, hipsters. You're not I was like, to say that. I know. Like no, guys, embrace it. Like this is our moment. It's so beautiful, and I still don't feel quite comfortable yet. So I feel like I'll know it if when it happens, I'll be like, finally, I'm mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. But I still, well, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if that's, I've never, I haven't yet lived long enough to like watch a trend come back around. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's how people felt when they like, or if it always feels new when it comes back around or if it comes back around and they're like, ah, oh, finally, like my, my heyday. But I don't know. Yeah. Do you, do you see it come back? It's weird because I live in London and I feel like, like 
the rise of return of indie cities feels definitely more New York, New York centric mm. with like media signals like the dare and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> shout out and like and like Meg my superstar princess and that kind of thing. But I went to a festival this past summer and I did see girls wearing like low slung belts and kind of like basically taking all like the the bimbo tastic signals out and replacing them with, like grungier kind of things that I think were loosely inspired by, like, the late 2000s. It's like that in Austin, too. Yeah. Like, all of the... Because UT is in Austin, and I live, like, really close to campus and see UT students every single day. It's been very indie for, And then they're all, like, uh, you know, they're, they're all trying to host, like, co-op shows with, like, Blake the Man, and, like, all of the, like, the New York people are, like, going yeah. over there, and they're trying to, like, bring them in. And so it's, like, kind of an interesting thing. To see. It's infectious, yeah. It is infectious. And it's really weird because, you know, Austin is such a city with such a storied history of music and culture. And, like, just seeing that with, like, the younger kids, it's like, I think it just really speaks to, like, the connection of, like, the internet that people feel, you know? It seems to be, like, a signal of people that are, like, like young people who are into the Vice era, like, indie sleaze and recreating that. I think it signals that they've had taste for longer because they're like oh this is like what I wanted yes. to be like when I was a kid so oh, wow. it's like we I think we've said it on the podcast before like inner child consumerism you are just like reenacting this fantasy and being like I couldn't participate when I was like this age because I like didn't have money but now I have the money and I'm gonna like dress this way although the yeah. element that I do find missing from like the modern reinterpretation of indie sleaze is like there was uh, at the time a little <laughs> bit more of like a twee element to it yeah. like there's all there's like the, yeah there's like the tweet. zoe de chanel i feel like like at said girl talk show yes people were wearing american apparel but also like a plaid shirt you know with yeah. like a necklace with something like you know with like a game boy hanging <laughs> off it you know like door am i right like it's it was it was like it, the, the reinterpretation now is like way cooler and like a little more 90s in the way it actually so was true. like yeah. i think you have to think a little bit more portlandia like yeah well we always talk about <laughs> this idea that was coined by one of our favorite fashion kind of thinkers ryan finn that's called true thousands which is like trying to dress how people actually dressed in the 2000s versus people on kind of like the extreme end of fashion so people like paris hilton would have dressed like kind of what was extreme yes then but yeah i guess people are kind of they're retrofitting indie sleaze to their contemporary mindset. But I also was thinking, like, indie sleaze feels like people are trying to make it almost, like, a bit more reactionary towards culture, in a way. Because I think, like, with 2000s fashion coming back, that felt, like, not very loaded. But now I feel like people are dressing indie sleaze and, like, I'm sexy and I love sex. That's, like... (laughs) It's a, I mean, yeah, it's a very strong signal. I mean, I don't, the thing is, is like, I don't know if it's going to manifest on the runway, really. What, you know, indie sleeves? Indie, like, I, I, I don't know, but like, um. I think it will. I think do it think will. So? I think like, I mean, Blue Marine, that was like such a big kind of 2000s revival brand, one of their last collections, all of a sudden everything was like dark and grungy and like way more referencing that side of the 2000s. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. I do miss when models had like really long bangs. Like, I miss <laughs> so much. I saw an article the other day that was like, Agnes Dean is back. Dane. Whoa. Agnes Dane. She's Dane. back? Yeah. Is In she what really? capacity like, is this? I, mean, I guess she's like, she wants to model again. Or she's Great. like, she, maybe she has a new endeavor. Maybe it's a brand or she's doing something else. But yeah, I guess she's re entered, quote unquote, the kind of public sphere. And she was 
the long bang, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Even though she had short hair, but she still was that in my eyes. Yeah. So well, funny. You're, you're all making me wonder if the rise of fashion intellectualism is it's, now more, like, goal-based. This idea yes. of, like, I want to achieve this look, and I don't know how. How do signals work? Like, yeah. almost like Victorian flower language. Like, what do lilies mean? You know, I feel like it's an, an idea of, like, how do I express... Like, they, people have the concept that they want to convey before knowing what tools to use. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it doesn't really come out of, like, collecting organically. But I think that's, like, what you were talking about earlier, like, collecting clothes and how there are so few things we can collect now. I think that so many people are, like, genuine fashion archivists, like, for themselves and like to have, like, stories to everything they own and like to be like, oh, this is what was going through the designer's head. Or, like, they had just switched creative directors. Like, I think people are finding that relatable to themselves. Yeah. And it also, I feel like, defies Google in an yeah. interesting way. Like, to have a connect, a sentimental connection and a story to something, that's not something you can just, like, go get instantly. Like, you can with almost everything mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Um. I'm just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Intellectualism. Yeah, I'm just thinking, I'm just intellectualizing what you just said. Well, actually, I was done it because I was thinking I once wrote this thing about Spike Magazine because I also... They were asked me to write about digital fashion, but I hate digital fashion. Why? So I was writing it in a really hateful way. <laughs> like I was like, I was like, <laughs> gnashing my teeth. But I don't know. I made this point, which was like about finding. I had this really, really old giant shearling coat that was from someone who wore it in like the '60s when they were at boarding school, and I found like a cigarette from the '60s in it. And I, was ah. like, I was like, oh my god, like history is real life and I'm a part of something big um but I don't know why I use that as my argument to no I'm seeing the vision to trash digital fashion you'll never find a cigarette in your like NFT shirt you like have a rendering of just a rendering of a cigarette and just like slowly loads (laughs) (laughs) with a dial-up sound I feel like um do you know that company drop Mm, maybe I'm not sure um, Describe, please. Yeah, no, I was sitting next to someone at a dinner and, you know, was being friendly and he was telling me about how he works for unspecified auction house and their digital acquisitions department. And he was like, oh, you got to check out this company, Drop. And it's like D-R-A-U-P. And I was like, that's stupid. I'm never going <laughs> to do that. And then I went on their site and they totally convinced me. They were like, why we should have. Because they talked about how we, we buy these physical clothes for a digital medium. Like, we yeah. do it to take pictures. Mm-hmm. And what if we just, like, cut out cut out the middleman? Middle and you can make sure you always look good and, you know, talk about our, our wedding guest dress problem. Yeah. You could just be like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I kind of loved immediately. I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we had these, like, green screen dresses yeah. and everyone just kind of could add whatever they wanted yeah. later. And it's still a statement, you know, mm-hmm. it still is a is a symbol. Obviously not exclusively because you still want to own some clothes because you still have a body and you still want to, you know, find a cigarette in. But like, I don't know, the bane of my existence is Halloween. I hate people <gasps> buying just throw out fashion. Yeah. I was like, what if we just had digital Halloween costumes? Like, great, excellent. Like, yeah. I don't know. I suddenly, I do feel as though there is a place for it. For the fashion that only lives on the internet, not yeah. in the world. It's interesting to see how much of because that's something that I think we really discuss a lot. And then something that I feel like we've never really fully unpacked is like that kind of and the psychological dimension of presenting. Like the, my only thing with that would be like 
I feel, like thinking about that is like I feel like I would walk through the day like envying my my digital avatar. You know what right. I mean? Right. So it's just like then I'm like yeah, because I'm like she. I made her perfect. Yeah. I'm like how come I don't feel this way? Fascinating. You know what I mean? And so like and because I because sometimes I do feel that way. I'm like oh the photos that I have on Instagram. Like that's I what, wish. That's what I was gonna say it's like yeah. how people feel about their Instagram photos. And yeah. Themselves. And then if I if I made them even hotter and better, I would just feel horror. You know what I mean? Like I would feel. Oh horrible, my god! It's like a know? portrait of Dorian Gray. I didn't yeah. realize that people felt yeah. this way about their. Yeah. No, yeah, so, like, that's, like, something I feel like, because it, it's it's cool, you know, and, like, I, I like the concept of it, and I like the freedom that it gives you to be able to wear whatever you want and be able to really run wild with your imagination. Also, the convenience, you're not spending a bunch of money on clothes and discarding them and stuff, but then I'm also, like, I feel like I would actually, like, develop some really serious, like, emotional problems if I, like, <laughs> if I was, like, presenting this, like, incredibly different person you know what I mean so like that is like my only that, that would be my only qualm with digital fashion would be like I think it should be used for like Sims-esque like weird additions <laughs> like wings or like a monkey on your shoulders <laughs> I, was like, I was like what would I want I was like I'd want a tail yeah. <laughs> but like did Spike want you to write about it because they're like it's happening I don't remember they're pretty web three yeah and I said let's do it but yeah, I think it was about, I don't know, the potentials of digital fashion or something. But this was also a little bit closer to COVID times when there was this, this feeling of needing to fashion intellectualize digital fashion. But I will say, I think digital fashion, where it will really find its stride, is moving away from like the the everything having a gleam to it. Like right now, digital fashion, everything is kind of shiny and looks like something that is digital so yeah. i think when they can start like working on textures that mimic something in real life people i would be more interested in it yeah. it's wow. gonna like blow your phone yeah. up it's gonna take so much energy. <laughs> <laughs> no. we were talking about this recently with we were talking about like crazy frog and that oh, yeah. like generation of digital avatars yeah. that all like the gummy bear that was like like stuff like that just looked like that at that time because computer animation was like fairly early so they didn't know how to do like hair and fur and stuff like that but oh funny i think like we're yeah, I think we're gonna hit like a textile version of that where hopefully we can. I think they should make like a chunky sweater. Like that could be good digital fashion. I agree. Yeah. That would be really fun. Like that reminds me of how a big thing in CGI was when they realized how to like animate people's vibrant hair. And there's that movie. What was the Tangled. One? Tangled and the one with the Scottish. Oh, brave. Oh, brave. Yeah. brave. Those were just yeah. like literally World's Fair showcase where like we figured out <laughs> hair. Yeah. yeah. Like look how yeah. cool the hair moves. See, that would be cooler to me if you could like the show The whole off. plot is just like girls with big hair. Yeah. <laughs> if you could show off like a fiber, I'd be more interested than like this like satiny sheen that looks like bubblegum. Yeah, it's, it's always like cute. crystallized too. But yeah. that's just like a general like web three aesthetic thing. Like everything is always this like duochrome crystal. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. glowing. Thing. Yeah, it's very vaporwave for that reason, which yeah. is why yeah. it's funny. like dark vaporwave because yeah. it's all very dark tone. We have to mix up on like a grid. Come up through Tumblr at all? Thinking oh about yeah, vaporwave? I was yeah. really into Tumblr for did, sure. Did I miss that it. like inform your approach to like digital and material culture being something you? Funny, I feel like um, I feel like on Tumblr. Like I don't know, most people were naked. It was very like, yeah. <laughs> it was, but it was, but it was very honestly. When you all were talking about like French girl aesthetic and millennial aesthetic, I was like, this is the most bang on interpretation I've ever heard because I feel like so much of Tumblr aesthetic, it was very much about angles. It was, it was almost um, 
like wisps of a dream you had, like a mm. cup of coffee and like waking up in the morning and everything was a little blurry and a little askew. The only thing that was full body photography was like the sartorialist and like street photography. But I feel like so much of it was really vibes based. It would be like a beautiful woman lying in bed or I don't know. So I, I thought I think it was more like nebulously about lifestyle than it was about outfits, although I was obsessed with the sartorialist, which is also sort of nebulously about lifestyle. Like no one mm-hmm. actually dressed, you know, like a jaunty <laughs> Italian man with like a <laughs> scarf. Yeah, the slice of life thing is like something that I really miss that from the internet. That's something that I am trying to encourage a return to is like slice of life photography on your Instagram story. Mm, just like, like having, a little, yeah. oh, like my breakfast. Oh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, definitely that. one of those things that, like you said, with Twee has kind of been written out because I think Gen Z is like cringed out by it. because it's they super see, cringy. <laughs> they see like their millennial cousin like with a boomerang like cup of coffee every morning with like a million gifts that say like rise and shine. And they're just like, like Twee I think got taken over by Target. I was in Target today and I was like, everything is literally looks like Zoe Deschanel, like oh. dropped it off of her apartment. Like it's all yellow and has flowers on it and like oh, pastel clothes. We need to bring it back though. Like truly, I love the sentiment of it. Have you ever read this? We read this book called, what was it? The Twe- Gentle Revolution. We the Gentle Revolution. You should so read this good. book. Super yeah. good. Really, it was like a manifesto about Twee. Yeah, was it, and, and it was from when? Like recently? No, no, it was a 2009 or Yeah, it was like, like in the thick of it. In the thick of it. Yeah. Oh wow, so fashion intellectualism is not a byproduct yeah, of yeah, yeah, <laughs> these yeah. recent phenomena I feel like it was probably sold at like Urban Outfitters. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it had like a picture of a burn on it indeed so. no it did it did have a picture of a burn on it is it really like cool. making fun of it or is it like no no it's it kind a... of like the prep handbook yeah. mm-hmm. uh in the sense that it's like really just trying to condense it and like there are a lot of lists and like imperative tone writings but there's not really i don't know it was it has chapters it does but it's quite cheeky in tone it was almost i think the author also put in a lot of like personal anecdotes in there. It was almost like a weird m- memoir like type memoir nonfiction. Nonfiction. Work about a fiction it was. But it was really good. Like the sentiment of it is something that I miss. I don't know. I've actually been like trying to foster a return to Twee in my own like lifestyle a little bit. I think um, it's you play ukulele. Oh my god! I wish I, I could play. I was thinking about the jaw harp. I was thinking about learning to play the jaw harp. <laughs> I never thought it was like a wingle like that. I really want to learn how to play it. Do you, do you just, like spit into it or something? No, you just have to like it's bite like down really hard on it. That, like makes a boing noise. Yeah, it's like the cow like Appalachian. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll get the washboard out. I know. I want to learn. Like the spoon on my feet, <laughs> or the saw. Yeah. You're just becoming a genuine, authentic like jug band. For the next episode, people are gonna be like, "Oh, uh, wait, where did the talking go?" Our fans. Yeah, sorry, I cut you off. This what were you gonna say? I don't know. I'm like, we that's we need to find a way to make money. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's our merch is like vinyl sales. I honestly have no idea what I was gonna say. I started going into like a weird fantasy. Oh, I wait, like... I guess I have something I can say about this. Uh, this is like something I was writing down just in terms of like the relationship between fashion and academia. Twee was kind of a moment where like knowledge was super glorified and people mm-hmm. were like, your cultural capital is tied up in like these obscure records that you know or like these old movies that you're watching and people would right. communicate to each other through like signaling just like old shit but also knowing a lot about it. I think something that's happening right now is this like signaling of 
intellectualism and fashion through like nerd chic I think is really coming back like the rise of Miu Miu again being so successful and like Mucha Prada as a figure being this like intellectual communist feminist who became a fashion designer yeah Bella Hadid's like slutty librarian look I am just wondering if you have any thoughts about like this academic signaling. I mean, you're wearing a very like academic looking outfit. Right I now. guess I am. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's hiding the coolest part of the shirt. I got it in, <gasps> oh, in Budapest. But no, I think it ties back to the general theme of fashion intellectualism, which is this idea that you know our our ideas about what intelligence looks like have progressed so far that one needn't dress like a librarian to be smart, and so that you can claim you know to to know the intellectual history of whatever you're wearing and intellectually justify it beyond just being like. I, I look like I read a lot of books yeah. by, like, knowing a lot about, I don't know, cowboy boots or silk or anything mm-hmm. is a way to, I don't know, yeah, expand your sense of intellectual self beyond a stereotypically, like, intellectual look. I mean, I'd like the librarian look to come back. That's, like, my preferred. <laughs> it's definitely, like, I, I see so many, like, Instagram baddies that are now... Like getting the super thin, like buying glasses from CVS that are like rectangular. <laughs> like it's real. Yeah. Bayonetta glasses. I made a TikTok about that and it got a lot of views. And people were like, yes. So, yeah, really? Weird. They were happy? I think so. Yeah. I think that they were rare. obviously, you know, a little shocked because it is like the CVS reading glasses, right? <laughs> but I guess it's almost like it's kind of like a return to tradition because I guess hipster culture was about finding <gasps> outdated glasses, glasses mm-hmm. that were like seen as outdated. And now, the glasses that quote unquote normal people were wearing in hipster times, which were like those little rectangular glasses, right, are now coming back in that way. Yeah, it is a true thousands. It is a, it's a true thousands, thousands signal. Everyone for sure. wants to dress like the loser guy more than like the hot girl in like a high school movie. Yeah. yeah. Or I always think about Giselle's character in The Devil Wears Prada, mm-hmm. making her the like fashion assistant, and she's like a really beautiful woman, and she's wearing these little glasses. Yeah, they're like, we're hiding her beauty. Yeah, but like, they'll never be able to tell. <laughs> well, that was such a, like, hipster thing. Like, the big, big glasses yeah. with no glass in it that you could, like, buy at American Apparel and yeah. just being like, oh, hide. 3D glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I but that. I don't know. At the time, I was like, this is the beauty of our movement, the hipster movement. We're, like, living off the trash of all all history, the whole 20th century. Like, we are the angels of history, <gasps> upcycling oh, all of this so shit cool. and detritus. And we're, like, putting it all on our bodies at once and making meaning out of it. And it's gorgeous and... I love like, that. The twee angel of history. I was like, it's a movement, and we save things, and we hoard them, and we gather them. It's um, It was, like, very OG sustainable, Yeah, which is why it makes me sad to see. I mean, we did an episode about Shabby Chic recently talking about, like, the rise of, like, faux-aged stuff. Yeah, we discovered like something, like, super... Because we... I. I went, like, because uh, in Fredericksburg, which is outside of Austin, the headquarters of this, like, shabby chic shop is located, and I just, like, went and did, like, a, like, on-the-ground thing, and the lady at the shop just, like, told me that everything, every single, because every single piece of fabric, they find old vintage French fabrics, take them to, like, a sweatshop, and recreate them, like, identically with all of, like, the, like, paint marks, like, they're, they're distressed, hand-distressed and stuff, 
and then they use like the new fabrics and throw the other. That is so dystopian. Crazy. It was like insane. That's yeah. a mic drop moment. No, truly, she really was good telling this. But I just like went in there. <laughs> I was trying on clothes. And I was like, like such an op. She like went in. She's like, this is such a cute dress. And I tried it on, and then she's like, ladies, I have a question. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like these these women told you this with pride. Yeah, being, they like, did. Look how yeah. much work yeah. goes into this. Yeah. No, they were really excited yeah. to tell me. They were like, oh, Our like commerce model. I know they because like you know it was like a small business yeah. that boomed. Type thing, and I think they just like didn't under. But I was like, my jaw was dropped, and I was like, oh. They okay. were trying to reference was this brand. It's called Magnolia Pearl, mm-hmm. um, and they're kind of known for their clothes looking really, really tattered, but they're actually really high quality. So I bet they're trying to be like, can you? believe that <laughs> like you might things, think this looks like shit but actually but it's, it's brand new yeah, it's brand new. <laughs> exactly. yeah it's right. true i mean okay so a question that i have for you all is do you think that fashion intellectualism makes people shop more or less i was gonna ask you that question oh my god we'll answer first. We'll answer first. <laughs> i think it makes people shop less and so that's true. my opinion as um i i think i also coming from like kind of working a bit in the museum at FIT, the people I would see there that were like actual bona fide fashion historians, for the most part, they dress pretty normal and they're truly like fashion is existing in their mind's eye. And so, <laughs> obviously, that's I mean, that's their profession and like vocation. But I think, in my experience, it's definitely made me like more mindful about the things I buy. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of agree. Like, when I first, before we started this podcast and stuff, I used to really shop all the time, like, not even, like, it, it was, like, a serious shopping problem that I had. And then when we started this, like, I just, like, donated a lot of my clothes and just never bought new ones. I don't really go shopping as much anymore just because I do, I don't, I don't know if it's just me getting older or something, but I just, like, want good quality things yeah. that can last me a really long time. You know, and thinking about just, like, the way that fashion works has made me less a toxic consumer or something, but... I don't know. Yeah, I started just like overthinking every purchase or like potential purchase that I would make. But I'm always thinking about this because my sister is like a Instagram baddie type influencer, influencer also reality TV star, and what? we share like <laughs> we share an Amazon account. And I see. I did her not buying. know that. Oh my god, it's like ruining my life. Like it's driving me insane because she buys new clothes from Amazon and when they get dirty she will buy them again and she throws out the old clothes <gasps> and she'll buy dresses in like packs of 10 and wow. so like it just freaks me out like just thinking that there are people who truly like don't care so I'm like I need to overcompensate by buying like one thing every year. What is that kind of like her motivation for that? I think she's just really lazy. So she doesn't want to like take care of the clothes and like wash them a certain Yeah way. but they're also yeah. like such bad quality and like yeah. polyester that if she like a stain gets on them they're cheap enough to just like get rid of i see interesting instead of like trying to like i've also gotten obsessed with like treating clothes like i feel like i'm really good at stain removal and like mending stuff so incredible i know we're like on opposite ends of the spectrum i'm like with a needle and thread trying to like fix some random sweater and she's like just bought y2k bodycon dress pack of (laughs) the third time this week and i'm like i literally have been like calling her and like trying to talk to her about it but it's like ruining my life but i think I need to spread the message of fashion intellectualism so I can it, it literally makes me feel like a super villain or something yeah. like we can we can fix her I have this image of you like kind of walking behind her like sewing her yeah, like, bodycon dresses you can't throw it away I'm gonna give it to Magnolia Pearl so they can like make a sack dress out of it I mean yeah I forget that that's the like extreme extreme it's normal though and like, really no that is that I feel is like her and all so her friends fresh. are like they I buy think clothes especially, from Amazon, 
it comes out of like a, the college mindset of exactly. always kind of feeling like you're always going out. Yeah. And you always you don't want to wear the same way. thing you twice. Look, like, look good for the like I think honestly men for the most part. Um, but obviously your sister's not in school anymore. But I think sometimes she lives in a college. She town. lives in a college. Town. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. where we need digital fashion. One hundred percent. That's actually yeah. true, though. Okay, that's actually really for good like going fact. out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for college towns. Yeah. Yes, for college towns. That's actually wow. That's a you sold me. Okay. <laughs> no, it's funny. I'm so out of touch. I'm like, I, I was like, oh, I feel like. Fashion, fashion intellectualism makes me buy more, but that's just for myself. I, I mean, it makes me feel guilty about everything, yeah. which is the weird thing is that it makes it harder to just enjoy it yeah, because it's, I don't know. I'm sure foodies feel the same way. They're like, oh, I didn't grow this tomato. Like, I feel so bad about it. Or like, I don't know where this chicken comes from. Or like, I'm cheating by eating a hamburger. And so, yeah, I think I feel bad about everything. But every time I do a story, I just need to... I need to buy it. I don't because I just love it so much after studying it. I'm like, yeah. oh, like, we're kind of yeah. the same way. Yeah. No, the, I, I literally, um, we did this shabby chic episode, like Alexi mentioned. I made my entire room shabby chic. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I didn't know that you did that. I, I, also I, did I, that. Do, I do live in a Victorian attic. Oh. So, like, it, like, it works. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In the long term, it's a sustainable decision because it makes sense. I live in a, a Victorian attic in London. So, like, it's fine. But, yeah, I, I influence myself. And that's yes. something I've always felt was, like, when I first started writing about fashion, people would be like, you're, you're kind of a hater. And I would be like, no, like, I'm not a hater. I'm, like, obsessed with this thing I'm writing about. And that's why I'm, like, thinking about it mm-hmm. in a really critical way. I think all the time about, have you seen The Last Black Man in San Francisco? Mm-mm. There's this one scene that I think about all the time where he like overhears some women on the bus shit talking San Francisco and he's like excuse me excuse me did you ever love San Francisco because you can't really talk about that about it that way if you never like loved it and I do feel like people especially like in New York who complain about New York like you love it that's why I have to move to Midtown that's so much everyone's like why do you live in Times Square basically I'm like because I love it like it's amazing have you seen Mistress America Okay, no, everyone's been telling ah, me that. Like, you have to week. Okay, I'm going to watch it. Because yeah. she's like, of course I live in Times Square. Where else would I live? Oh, that's so mean. Mistress America is so good. It's also based off the literary frat at Columbia. Columbia. That the We're CEO all great ideas. parade was in. Ooh. So it's like... Wait, commerce. what time period is it set in? I think like, the, yeah. the 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was filmed in like the, I don't know, mid-2010s there. Yeah, but, but you um, should watch it. Yeah, influencing yourself is a real why not a real thing. That's what you get from reading a book. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like I'm I'm reading a Mary McCarthy book called The Group, and I feel like I'm like, wow, this is the original form of influencing. Like I'm reading about this <laughs> a fictional world, and I'm like I'm so inspired by it. What are you buying based on the book? I don't know. I'm buying ideas right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's basically it's set in the 30s, and they're really interested in like the idea of modernity, like in a world f- fair sense. So now I'm really interested in the World Fair. And I don't know what I could buy from the World Fair. Ooh. But I could buy a gadget. Like I could I could get myself like an old fashioned gadget. Like oh a really God. amazing like lemon like um citrus press, you know what I mean? Yeah. That that'd be like very modernity. I actually have been wanting one of those because I yeah. eat, I drink a lot of lime juice. Sounds good. Um 
like an industrial one. I used to, I used, when I was bartending, I, I would get, I would do that like all day long and then I would get stains. Yeah, I would get like rashes on my hands. Yeah. Oh, like squeezing so many I thought you were going to say like you got muscles, like yeah. extreme no, muscles. You, you get rashes if you have like lime juice on your hands and you go out in the sun, you get rashes. Oh my God. Disclaimer. Yeah, it's true. Don't put it in like your hair. Do you yeah. know that the like squeezer that, the normal squeezer used to be called a Mexican elbow. Oh. And it's because there was this like folk tale about like this Mexican guy who was wandering <laughs> through the desert and he found a lemon tree. It's like pretty unlikely and he was really, really thirsty. So he like just put the lemon in his elbow and like squeezed they it. He drank lemon juice because he was thirsty? Yeah, it doesn't really make that much sense. That's but crazy. I'm working on a book about lemons right now. It's kind of cool. It's like mostly a cookbook. Fascinating. Yeah, right. I want to copy that. That sounds delicious. I'll get you one. Maybe I'll need a copy. We'll send you a copy. Yeah, yeah, we'll get one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, how long are you in New York for this trip? Until Wednesday. It's a short trip. So you don't have time to like go to the Louis Armstrong house? Oh my god, that would be fun. Because that's my favorite like World's Fair adjacent oh thing. Oh my god. It is incredibly cool because they live right by the World's Fair grounds. The mm. they were they went to Louis Armstrong and his wife went to both world fairs and they were like we'll take all of it and so the kitchen <gasps> is like a world it's like Gizmo gadgets gizmos oh and it's and it's bright blue and all the hinges are piano hinges it's like an amazing the house decor is not recreated it's original and all of it God. is just like out of control there's like a silver room and like a flower marameco looking room and she was a uh a dancer at this club and he was on tour and she was like, fine, I'm just going to decorate this house without you. And it's like her <laughs> house and it's it's very fun. It's like one of my favorite things in New York. Where is that? It's in Queens. It's in Corona. Okay. okay. It's in this like little neighborhood and it was just like in the suburbs and that's God, where they live. I really want to go there. I really I recommend we, it. I wish we recorded there today. Uh, <laughs> I'm scared of my pushing the culture forward. Um, <laughs> so are there any trends you've influenced yourself into buying? Like, you've, like Not trends, but like things you've covered on your podcast and been like, oh my God, like suddenly I've become more preppy or suddenly anything like that. I mean, like, pretty, yeah, pretty much everything. I'm yeah. working on a story right now about why we don't wear human hair. And then mm -hmm. uh, part of that was talking about Victorian morning jewelry. Yeah. And so I find, and I've been noticing it online forever and I finally bit the bullet. I'm like, I, it's coming in the mail. Buying it, um, yeah, someone else's hair as a necklace. By <laughs> learning about something, you can, like, love it on a really yes. a deeper level. I really think that. Yeah. And it's nice to have things that remind you of your like journey. work and past and journey. Yeah. I agree. That's true, yeah. It's a it's a story that you that's I I really do think objects are imbued with memory and stuff. Because that, yeah. that's what is what's strange about digital photography as well. So you know that the Sontag thing of like you you can remember you like have much stronger memories from like physical photographs and stuff and like you know, oh. di digitizing, you know, because I always think that, too, when I go through my family photo book and stuff, I can remember those days better than any other childhood memory just because I have I it solidified. But with, like, di digital photography and stuff, it, I feel like there's something different. Like, I can remember it clearly, but then there's also this, like, weird blur to it. You know, I think the physicality of, like, a photograph can, like, really imbue a specific type of memory. Talk about, like, actually like has a frame around it, so you're like, oh, that's, like, where the frame ended, and then, like, beyond that was my reality. When stuff is in your phone, like, the scale of it is really weird. Mm -hmm. But also you take, like, multiples with your phone. You're like, okay, here are, like, the five shots from there. It's not, like, the finished curated product. No, that's true, yeah. I guess I'm really curious, like, if there's anything in fashion right now that you're researching or anything any brands that you're really excited about you mentioned the victorian hair 
<laughs> you all know about this thing, right? Yeah. The yeah. morning jewelry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you ever wear it? I that, probably that would. That reminds me of Sam. Well, actually, um, I was in an antique store recently, and there was like an entire family. Like it was like a bit. It was like five hundred dollars. Yeah, no, that was weird. It was creepy, but it was really beautiful. It was yeah. like floral. It was like a like a literal floral tree. It was like a family hair. Oh it my was god! Really crazy. Yeah, no, that was like a very impressive, you know, thing. So those I would maybe wear something smaller. Sale? Yeah, it was like in you know like the jewelry yeah. like nice section or whatever. Everything is commerce, as they say. Exactly. Mm. I know. Yeah, but I mean, what happened to that family? Like, where are they now? Like, is that the it's the last of them. That's the last of them yeah. on Earth. I'm just yeah. thinking like, that like the last remaining heir probably wanted to do like a millennial gray farmhouse home and was like, I don't want to put this on. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it's weird. It's creepy. But like something of that scale, it was the scale that was very disturbing that is to large me. Scale. It was huge, you know, the small, like romantic little like, you know. That's nice. I kind of want to make some Victorian hair jewelry uh, like with my hair. Yeah, I lose a lot of hair. Yeah. I mean, there's like me the too. thing. Um, I forgot they call it like a hair couch or something, but in oh, the Victorian era, yeah. they like when you lost hair from your hairbrush, you would take it and then put it in this like box, and then you would stuff it and like kind of like pin cushion it, and then yeah. it would become like a ball of hair. But then you could use that to do like a poof of sorts. Yeah, and you'd put it back own, in your hair. Oh, do your own yeah, bump like a bump it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my organic god, that's like, bump it. that's literally organic bump organic. it. That's like crunchy I bump it. I once um, tried to make an ex-boyfriend a Victorian hair lock in my hair. Because <laughs> <laughs> he loved me. Um, but, and it didn't work. Because, what the hell, you have to cut off a good amount. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, snip, snip, like tiny mm-hmm. amount, and it just like blew into the wind. <laughs> and I was like, sorry, babe. <laughs> Well, that's very Gattaca. Yeah. Oh, that love that. Yeah. That's like my favorite movie. Anima Thurman's like, search me. I know. My hair. So yeah. is that your your interest right now? Uh, or your, your I don't niche know. Interest. Are you what feeling are, weird about your hair? Like, are you collecting your hair? And yeah. You're <laughs> with that? I mean, I am getting like super into wool. I'm like, wow, wool is amazing. See, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. But I don't. I feel like I'm like. Again, like shopping makes me feel really guilty. So every time, I mean, you know, I love to scroll as much as the next person. And you know, Gem app. No. Gem.app. Oh, it's like you can mass thrift search, like you all can of the mass thrift oh, search. And you can this is create, dangerous for me. Sorry. And then, <laughs> and you can create alerts for the designers you like. And so every day they like send you a little newsletter of like, here's everyone you're following. So I have like my little list and you see what's, what's new. So those are the ones that I like. I don't necessarily follow their like runway shows mm-hmm. per se. It's hard. It's hard. But I'm 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 having like an Antwerp six moment right now. I'm That's like, cool. Yeah. Who's your favorite of the six? Marina Yee. She I talked to her when I was in Antwerp and she's like the cool. coolest. She designed Dirk Bickenberg's women's collection, which is my favorite. It's like Great. She's 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 low key the best, and you can still find her stuff sometimes. But every shop owner's like, I don't know. She just makes it when she wants. Like she doesn't obey the fashion system. I so love that. Who's your favorite? Who is my favorite? Is Walter Van Buren talks one of them? Yeah, I like him. I like the the boot vibe <laughs> of what he had going are you, on. Are you are you doing something on them? Are we? Oh, <gasps> maybe. Oh my god. Maybe. 
It's a genuine answer, That's, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not being a coquette. That. that was very coquettish of you. That sounds really exciting. I hope so. We love the 90s. Wait, what? who's your favorite? I need this I don't have a favorite. Yeah, I don't, I don't... I'm like... I don't know. I'm illiterate when it comes to Europe. Yeah, I have like no <laughs> idea what you guys there. are talking about. I know it's not Europe. I, this was, this I is live so in funny. England. Yeah, exactly. There was a, I'm like, I'm the queen. <laughs> v Files. Yeah. V Files used to have this like intern search reality show when I they were like that. a thing. Yeah, wasn't and it, um, Sabrina was on it. On yeah. yeah, she. I think she won. But she did win. She became um, famous. <laughs> yeah, from her intern journey, yeah. but. That was one of the questions. They did like a trivia show at the beginning, and they were like, and they were like <laughs> "No, they were like name all members of the Antwerp Six, and like they couldn't even get two of them." But it was like these super fashion like Gen Z kids. And I do think they fell. Not that they didn't fall off. I think their cultural history is a little buried for some. Mm-hmm. Like I think most people now couldn't name all the like YBAs. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't know something about like the nineties is. I, don't know. I think they, like Tony they just have like vastly when it comes to a group like that like they have vastly different levels of fame obscurity yeah, they do. and fame they yeah. do. but I feel like people can name like the supermodels like the 90s supermodels can you? Like, yeah, yeah. Yes, you can. because they were just on the cover of Vogue like, right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so I'm being forced to think about them like, all I loved that content it's like put it in my veins yeah. I, oh. I know I kept on running to zoom in and I was like what's going on here you know what I mean? like, people speaking of fashion intellectualism people are making a lot of videos being like you may think this is celebrating age but these images have all been retouched that sort of thing it's true that's yeah. like a st- story as old as time yeah, that's is. like w- the first like internet fashion like commentary how, was about that's like man like, inventing fire no exactly <laughs> like retouching criticism yeah, yeah. that's true that's funny. That's a. I feel like that's a really good point of like what is fashion intellectualism, and it is a very fine line between like being a hater and just like Knowing looking more closely. Yeah, <laughs> not me. Um. <laughs> Should we do some would you rather? Stop! I didn't prepare. Wait, did my prepare God. Guess what? We're gonna think of the spot. Okay. Amazing. Okay. This is like a jazz performance. Yeah. <laughs> it's about the notes you don't play. <laughs> Would you rather, okay, be burdened with having the largest collection of Victorian jewelry, <laughs> or every single outfit that you post online is a digital outfit? Ooh. Oh, that's you're, you're that's, very good. That's that's very good. Thank, you. Thank you. Um, ooh, they're almost like opposites. Like the the value yeah. they very opposite. They are yeah. opposites. Okay, so tangent. My like pet theory is okay. So you just watched Mad Men. You yeah. know that famous scene where they have the picnic and they like shake out the picnic blanket yeah, and, and all, all the, the trash, trash goes everywhere. everywhere. I feel like <laughs> that's how I feel like that's how we live in the internet now. Like we will look yeah. back at this era now as like the 1950s of digital space where we're like there's so much room just like generate all this data it doesn't matter and in the future we're gonna have to be like oh no it's limited like you can't just save every image we're all out of storage like these we're gonna pay more and more attention to these data centers and like the physical and i feel like we're gonna have to they're gonna be so many of them we're gonna have to live closer to them and be like yeah this is like the data center where all your stuff is stored so i do kind of enjoy this like weird abundance mentality we have around the internet right now because it seems so antiquated in and of itself. So I guess it would be 
weirdly like the digital clothes library because I think that is a little slice of history that's like gonna end I agree soon and I'd have to have like hard drives like stacks and stacks of hard drives with like my digital wardrobe on it that I'm yeah, saving like an like, archivist show your grandkids and you're like we used to wear digital clothes <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I was one of the first <laughs> models of the digital clothing empire <laughs> That's the right answer, I think. You yeah. think? If you said that you wanted to collect all the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but can you imagine that what a tweet, valuable though. it is? Tweet. Yeah. <laughs> you would have to move into some like dilapidated house and have it displayed everywhere yeah. and yeah, have like, like a house museum. Like, yeah. 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 Unfortunate like, event style house, I feel. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Actually, that's really, oh, that's really compelling, yeah. actually. But living in a historical home that people are like in all the time, I always wonder if it's annoying. Yeah, I've heard, I've seen like testimonials for people that live in like historical homes, and they're like, it doesn't bother us type thing. But I don't I think know. If you live in a historical home, your life's pretty good. We're about to go to Alexander Hamilton's house tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. Ask if we, can, we can move in. I want to be the artist in residence. I know. <laughs> I want to be the podcaster in residence at the Alexander Hamilton. I think he would have loved podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> that was his whole thing. Is he never shut up? All of the founding fathers. Would have they loved podcasting. They would have yeah. all had really different podcasts, though. Yeah. Like, they would outqueen each other all the time. <laughs> They'd all have each other on. Yeah. Hamilton would be like, grind. Yeah. But I think a Blood lot of coffee. stuff would happen where they would like just storm out, like that type of dramatic podcast moment. Yeah. yeah. Good content. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll do a living history like podcast. <laughs> Wait, why are you going to the Hamilton house? Are you fans of like We're taking musical? our press photos yeah, there. <laughs> Um, and we're gonna be dressed our, up. It's like our vibe. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna be dressed up like dark academia. Like I'm not even kidding. Yeah. yeah like yeah. literally, like we need it. We need it. Yeah. yeah. I love that. The yeah. photographer told us to. Well, I did buy these things like legal pads and like sharpies, so we can. <laughs> Oh, so you're doing librarian shit. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. You're like, some people are bringing it back. <laughs> <laughs> like, we read this thing in our notes app. In our email to Tina Tyrell, the photographer. Yeah. yeah, Sam was on the brink of buying some CVS glasses. Yeah. And I, and we, no, I, was, I had she, to stop she, you. She <laughs> she from buying CVS glasses. I was like, what do I do? Because, yeah, like a lot of those clothes, like they don't fit me very well. Yeah. It's really unfortunate because it's a style that I like, but it just my, it doesn't fit well in my body. And so... Yeah, I have Mod to like. Claw. I know. I went on Mod Cloth and yeah, no, it's like um, it's not even like that twee anymore. It's really sad. Really? Yeah, I know. At two Mod Cloth. <laughs> yeah, no, like I, cause I went on it like a couple of days ago, and then there was not like I was looking for some sort of like wasted, like kind of like Betty Draper type yeah. thing. They didn't have that. I was like, this That's is the only place in the world bummer. I would think to get it. That's you know? Sick. I know. It was like very dark. Yeah. Very dark to not not find what I needed from there. Um, oh my, I'm like, I would have brought you something. Oh my God. <laughs> I have this yeah. dress that I can imagine. You're no, yeah. Well, well, I brought like everything that I own, like in my suitcase. Look, I checked look. a bag for a 3D trip. Like, That's okay. No one's perfect. That's the way to do it. No one's I perfect. love it. <laughs> no. All right. So we do one more would you rather and then we'll let you leave. By the way, I didn't yeah. know you could check a bag on Spirit. Yeah, I know. Sam probably paid $200. No, the thing is, I feel like on flights like that, it's actually more expensive to have a carry-on. No, it was. It was way more expensive than ever. But it was just like, you know, I, I'm in a huge state right now, and I was in a huge state when I got to the airport, and I was just like, whatever, like, mm. uh, you know? I didn't research what Spirit Airlines was. It was like 3 in the morning when I bought the ticket, yeah. and I had to wake up like two hours later to go God, to the flight. I know. I'm like, Thank you for I'm coming. Like, I feel very like out of body right now. I'm like, yeah. damn, you know, spirit you. out of body. <laughs> know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was cool though. I'll fly spirit again if I'm ever in like a 
really dire situation. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> advertisement. Like, if I had to. You podcasting studio to meet Avery. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fly the plane. <laughs> my, my favorite tweet about Spirit was like, just flew Spirit Air for the first time. Gotta admit, I was a little scary when it was my turn to fly the plane, <laughs> yeah. but it wasn't bad. Like, nice. Yeah. I love that. That's so funny. Yeah. I love the, like, Flintstone jokes where people, like, say that you have to, like, run your feet on the ground <laughs> <laughs> to get the plane going. Like, I wish that was true. <laughs> There's there's this beautiful essay in the Dublin Review of Books called The Meaning of Ryanair, and it's about what Ryanair symbolizes as opposed to like Aer Lingus, our national airline that we're like pride ourselves on our hospitality. Like, we are Ireland. Welcome. Like, maybe you haven't been here before, but we will take care of you in Ryanair, which is like eat shit. Like you're on your own. And like the catastrophe that that was for their sense of national identity. And I feel like someone needs to do like the meaning of spirit airlines for like an American context. <laughs> for ten dollars you could like forsake your country and be like, I kinda yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just need a carry on right now. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Okay. Would you rather have to wear the worst clothes from the worst member of the Antwerp Six, whoever <laughs> that is to you, you don't have to say who it is. Mm. Or wear the Mew Mew slutty librarian collection with like the kind of messed up hair, the little glasses, the cardigan, and the pencil skirt every single day. Okay, and what's you my? Still, you still have to be a podcaster. Like, so you have to be like. No, <laughs> oh, I have to like go about my life yeah. and like live in the world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was like, I because I do love the Mew Mew like slutty librarian yeah. look, but I don't want to be looked at. <laughs> on the street yeah. like wearing that um you know there is no bad member <gasps> of the Antwerp 6 I would mic drop <laughs> I love them all okay yeah I'd do that that's a good answer is it you're, you're very every yeah. answer you're like correct <laughs> yeah. there's always a right and wrong yeah, for me as the inventor of this game there's a right and a wrong yeah. alright anything else you guys want to talk about I don't think so. It's been such yeah. an honor. Like this has been, we've been actually tra- talking over. about doing this for so long. We're just like, we need to have Avery drop on. Ah. Like this is, I'm so glad that we got to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks. It's yeah. it's very fun to like encounter you all saying hi to each other and like greeting each other in New York. <laughs> I, I know that was really our reunion in the long I know. Yeah. Wait, when's yeah. the last time you were all in a room together? A year ago. A year ago, and that yeah. was the first time we were ever in a room together. <gasps> Look at you now! <laughs> yeah, two times in a room together. We have a fourth member. You're an honorary member. You're a professor of yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No. Thank you so much for coming on. You're so insightful and such an amazing. Kind of point of view on fashion um and everyone if you haven't listened to avery's podcast you should go check it out uh articles of interest is there anything else you're working on right now that you want to mention nothing i can mention oh my god <laughs> that's the best way to, to end it yeah upcoming antwerp six documentary for yeah. bbc <laughs> like yeah, kind of seven. <laughs> yeah you've actually joined I've, un- yeah. <laughs> I've uncovered the the lost one. Oh my god Whoa. yeah all right well thank you so much thanks thank you. that was just really fun it was super cool